0: Welcome to IOM3 Investigates, the podcast series of the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining. We are one of the UK's major science and engineering institutions and our activities are focused on the promotion and development of all aspects of the material cycle. These include the science, design, engineering and technology of materials, minerals and mining and their practical applications. We facilitate qualifications, professional recognition and development, share knowledge and provide networking services to a global membership and wider community. We hope you enjoy our podcast series.
1: In October, following a sixteen year hiatus, the eleventh International Symposium on ground freezing, the ISGF, will return to the UK for the first time since 1988 to present the latest research, innovations and concerns, as well as challenges and opportunities in the fields of artificial ground freezing, as well as the mechanics of frozen earth. My guests, Joe Sopko and Alan Old are joint chairs of the event. Joe and Alan, tell us a little about your backgrounds and why ground freezing is important to you.
2: I'm an above ground civil engineer by training, but I joined a company called Cementation Mining Limited in 1977 when they started to do the sinking of the shafts in the Selby coalfield. There were 10 shafts sunk and two drifts were driven and they all required ground freezing for getting through the water bearing strata in the upper sections. So I've been involved in ground freezing work ever since then, which is now about 45 years, and because I was involved in it, a series of symposia were set up uh, on ground freezing. And the gentleman that started those was a gentleman called Professor Hans Ludwig Jesperger. And the first conference was held in 1978. And he was a civil engineer at the University of Bochum in Germany. I didn't go to that one, but I was at the second one in Trondheim. Uh, in Norway. And since uh, 1978, there have been 10 conferences held up to now, and I've been to six of the uh, 10 of them. There were nine uh, conferences held up to 2000, and they were held fairly regularly, two to three years. But there was a gap of six years to 2006. And I went to that conference and it was run under the Institute of Civil Engineers, the American Society of Civil Engineers, and it wasn't a very good conference. And what I believe was most of the information and technology at that time uh, was, was out in the public domain. So the interest wasn't too great. But since then, this is uh, 16 years on, lots of things have happened. Uh, methods of analysis of ground freezing and changed. higher powerful plants have been produced and the, the, the science has developed a long way. And so there's been, there hasn't been a forum for people to publish their work ever since uh, 2006. And so from my background point of view, I, having worked in the shaft sinking side, there's a company called British Drilling and Freezing who did all the freeze work at Selby, and when I left the cementation mining in 1919 to set up our company, I continued to work in the field. Ground freezing involves two parts, as far as I'm concerned. There's the mechanics of actually setting up the system, which is a contractor side. But there's the knowledge and engineering and knowing how the ground works when it's frozen, particularly when you're excavating and having to support structures. And our company used to support British drilling and freezing on that aspect. So that's basically where I come from and how I've been involved in in ground freezing.
1: Thank you, Alan. Joe, how about you?
3: Uh, I first got involved in it back in the early 80s. I had got, I was uh, like Alan, a uh, civil engineer. And I returned to um, Michigan State for my master's degree, which was to be uh, in frozen ground engineering uh, with all aspects of going to my uh, company's office in Anchorage, Alaska to do permafrost work. So I was working for a professor, uh, Orlando Andersland, at Michigan State. And then he, uh, during his ground freezing courses, he started talking about the artificial ground freezing method. And I I became intrigued with it. And then I guess the stars aligned. Uh, There was a company, the Geofreeze Company out of Lorton, Virginia, was uh, looking for a graduate student to sponsor for a PhD totally related to artificial ground freezing. So I, I switched gears somewhat and went from permafrost engineering Uh, to artificial ground freezing while the mechanics of the frozen soil were the same um, the application was was quite a bit different so then i worked with uh, that company when i finished school i basically stayed in the artificial ground freezing business that was my my career working for the lane christensen company and uh, eventually to the Moore trench corporation that now has become keller so during that time I, I was very aware of what the international symposium was on ground freezing, because all of the classic papers, by Allen, Professor Andersland, Yesberger, um, and, and Klein, all of these these classic papers, I, I only knew about, and I only knew who the authors were by name. I was able to attend the ground the symposium in uh, 2000 that was held in Brussels. And I believe just uh, just after that, I ran into Alan, well, didn't run into him. We, we were both working on a, I was working on a large ground freezing project in Quebec. Uh, the company, Naranda Mining, uh, wanted a peer review of the engineering design that I had done for a large frozen excavation, and they brought uh, Alan in. So I, I've known Alan since, I would guess, the early 2000s, and we've we worked together you know, on on several projects. So, a little bit though about what Alan has said about the the 2006 conference. I'm not so sure that it wasn't that the maybe the the market was oversaturated with ground freezing papers. Mm-hmm. I think they may have just picked a bad location. Uh, usually they had them in international cities and everybody was eager to go. And correct me if I'm wrong, Alan. I think they had this somewhere in Maine.
2: Met some good people, Derek Meishman and John Donahoe. but. Uh Bern Braun and its partner at the time, Lynn, now his wife, uh, asked Anne and I if we'd like to go uh, to around Maine. So we had a great holiday, ten days touring around Maine. So it, it was memorable for me.
3: So uh, then I had worked. Alan had started a few of the inter uh, um, the international conferences on shaft design and construction, and I uh, I attended the one in London in 2012 which uh, incidentally had a lot of ground freezing papers in it. And I actually met some of the, uh, the, the Chinese practitioners and became very good friends with them. And then um, I think, Alan, when was the, the next uh, SHAP conference? Was that in 2019? 2000, yeah, 2019 in Toronto. And that was in Toronto. And that, then, then I said, all right, we, we've got a really – that conference also had some ground freezing papers in it. But those were more related to the mining industry. And uh, we didn't seem to get a lot of uh, a lot of interest from the civil construction industry that does, let's say, the shallower shafts or, or the tunnels. And I, I can remember, like it was yesterday, I was driving back to Michigan for our, our Thanksgiving weekend, and I called Alan on the phone and I said, I would really like to get a symposium going. Alan, with all of his experience in putting conferences together, uh, got it going. Yes. And I think we were pleasantly surprised because he told me we needed 20 papers to make it work. And I think we ended up with, what, 54 now?
2: We've got 58.
3: 58.
2: When you get your last two in? Our last yeah. in? That's <laughs> apart from your keynote address. Yes. But the, the support from abroad has been tremendous. The Chinese... Um, I it, it, go back a long way. I first went to China uh, with cementation mining in 1978 as a, uh, a business trip. And uh, there was a gentleman there, um, Professor Zhang, who is the director of the Beijing Coal Mining Research Institute. I met him there. I met him again in 2008 when the Ukrainians were looking to sink a coal mine in, in northwest Ukraine. He led a delegation of Chinese people across to uh, look at sinking the shafts. And I still had his business card from, the, to, uh, from 1978 and we sort of hit it off. And it was through him that we got the big Chinese support for the 2012 Shaft Design Conference. And that continued through to 2019 as well. I mean, from 2017, the Chinese have been wanting to hold the the ground freezing conference, but they've never actually got around to, to to getting it done. Although, Joe, you say that they're still looking to do that.
3: I I got an email right here that that they want they actually they, they want the symposium to actually be a uh, an organization that you know is actively uh, well that's it's active. Um, and that's possible. I think we will have some discussions. You know, we do have uh, the potential to go live with an international symposium on ground freezing website. We have the domain, so uh, I think that that may be one of the uh, things. We, we may have a few business meetings there or not. I don't know that we've talked about that, Alan. But there is a lot of interest from the Chinese, and that's because they freeze hundreds of shafts uh, a year. in In North America, Keller may have anywhere from two to four. Sometimes five projects going on, and, and some years we don't have any. It doesn't happen very often. But the Chinese, you know, have hundreds going on uh, in, their, in their coal mines.
2: Well, uh, in the, 2000, was it the 2019 conference, they said they sunk about 600 uh, freeze shafts. But their ground conditions are such that you need ground freezing. they've got a lot of coal mines and they're still continuing to develop coal mines and sinking a lot of shafts and what they do is use ground freezing on a big scale to secure the ground before the sinks sink through it but the japanese are also uh, in a coal regional area and there we've got a big contingent from japan coming in a lot of uh, ground tunneling works shallow ground works but a lot of ground freezing works to help them construct uh, structures in, in the in the ground.
3: And you can't forget that the, the Japanese probably had a very large project that I was a consultant on. They actually put, they called it an ice wall. Uh, they put an ice wall around the Fukushima nuclear power plant to prevent water from coming in, which would ultimately become radioactive and then flow out. So that was a very large project uh, that we were involved with the Chinese. And I actually had visited that site as their guests, and then help prepare some preliminary reports.
1: It sounds like uh, due time that this symposium is held then. How important is this conference returning after a 16-year gap?
3: Incredibly important. The yeah. problem is, in my opinion, uh, with the, the the shaft conferences that Alan had are every 10 years, and they're limited you know, mostly to the mining. Well, they're not limited, but it's mostly the mining people that are interested in them. Ground freezing has not really found a home for publications here in the U.S. You have the ASCE Geotechnical Journal, which doesn't really get into that type of ground improvement. Then we have the Cold Regions Journal that that deals with the mechanics of frozen ground, but not necessarily artificial ground freezing. And then you have another group called DFI, the Deep Foundations Institute, that doesn't really touch on it either. So it's been very difficult to get Actual ground freezing papers, particularly when you deal with case histories. So we we've always been looking for a home, and you know if you go back to the previous symposia that started in in like Alan said 1978, it's just a wealth of information that, that people can go to and and read about problems that have happened or the latest uh, technologies. So. With the exception of maybe the tunnel conferences allowing us to do a case history, uh, it's been limited because in the tunneling conferences, they don't want to hear about theory. They don't want to hear about models. They just want to hear about the job. So it's incredibly important uh, for the next generation, as as some of us start to get a little older here, that that there is a place that they can go for the resources, as I was able to when I started in the 1980s.
2: I think what I should also mention is in 1983, Uh, We founded the British Ground Freezing Society uh, at the University of Nottingham uh, under the direction of Dr. Ron Jones in the Civil Engineering Department. And that was 83. And uh, we went to Japan in 1985, several of us on the committee of the British Ground Freezing Society to offer to have the Ground Freezing Conference in Nottingham. So that's when it it came to Nottingham in, in 1988. Uh, Unfortunately, in 1996, the Ground Freezing Society was dissolved because of lack of interest. It's very difficult to keep promoting it. But what the Ground Freezing Committee did over that time, they produced a a series of technical memoranda on on various aspects of ground freezing. Now, they're just stuck in the archives. And what I'm proposing to do, I'm going to get them published as a separate document to be handed out at, the, at the, our symposium uh, to make sure that that knowledge, there's a lot of good knowledge there which will help people hopefully in, in the future.
1: Thank you both. Tell me about the applications of artificial ground freezing.
3: Ella you can start with the mining and then I'll, yes. I'll go with yes. the civil yes. applications.
2: As Joe said, uh, I can't remember exactly when it was, he asked me to help him put a paper together, And that was called Ground Freezing on a Large Scale because of my mining background. It was badly published. So fortunately, we've got to split this paper and put two papers into this ground freezing conference. When I started to write that paper, I hadn't realised myself how much uh, deep mine shaft sinking had relied on ground freezing. So of of all the shafts that were sunk in the UK between 1977 and about uh, 1989, there were 10 at Selby, there was two at at Asby. Asby. There's only one shaft in that period that, that wasn't sunk using ground freezing. And then when you look at the Canadian shafts, They've got a very difficult uh, set of ground conditions about 400, 500 metres down called the Blairmore. And in the 60s, to sink the shafts through there, uh, they lost one or two shafts, but they had to use ground freezing at the time. And that's where the technology of directionally drilling started to, to come into account, because you drill a series of holes around the perimeter and insert a casing and then, have an inner casing as well. You circulate brine down the tubes and back again, and the ground gradually freezes to interconnect with the adjacent freeze tubes, and you create a complete barrier around the shaft, so you can actually sink down through it. So the tech, a lot of the technology was started for the deep shaft sinking was starting to develop in the in the 60s in in Canada, and so of about 21 shafts. Since then, in in Canada, there's only about one or two not used ground freezing. And the latest one, the Janssen project, they've had to use ground freezing there. And the freeze depth is 7,200 metres of freeze to get down to the 900 uh, metre depth of the shaft. And then so yeah and they move on to Germany the German shafts over the last uh, i mean' they've not been any sunk for quite a while, but all the, the, the about eight or nine ten shafts in Germany all used ground freezing to get through the, the difficult ground conditions and then you come to the Chinese who have sunk about 600 shafts using ground freezing. so the the amount of ground freezing that's been involved in, in mine shaft sinking has been phenomenal.
3: So what happened is, you know, Alan had mentioned a name, Bernd Braun. Uh, Bernd Braun was a German who was involved in some of these mining projects. Uh, he was with a company, uh, Dialman hamill Apparently, as I understand the story, they wanted to get into these civil projects here in the U.S. So ground freezing really hadn't been done on any of the uh the subway jobs, the sewer tunnels. So Berndt came over, and there was a company called the TerraFreeze Corporation, and they started on a smaller scale doing smaller excavations. I guess there probably wasn't enough work really to go around, and then that was sort of became what was then the GeoFreeze Corporation, and at the same time, more trench. Um, my previous employer, still the same building, uh, got into it. But very little work was done, but There was a shaft here, a shaft there. Not really enough to say it was a a sustainable business until the early 1980s. It started the what was the Milwaukee Deep Tunnel Project, and the ground conditions in Milwaukee were just so bad that ground freezing was really the only technology that was really working. And there probably was over 25 shafts uh, frozen there, and that is what sort of emerged as to making it a, a real technology, and we started to see it going. For mostly sewer, water, and subway tunnels uh, here in the U.S., and then in addition to the shafts, then we started seeing applications for tunneling where the ground freeze the freeze pipes would be put in horizontally to encompass a proposed tunnel, or actually freezing, just making mad, bad ground a mass freeze, uh, making it solid so the construction could occur. So it's it's used a lot now. I would say that the big market is in addition to water tunnels. We see a lot of it on transportation, subway tunnels, particularly the cross passages, uh, the emergency cross passages between two existing tunnels. So there there always seems to be projects out there. Uh, but right now, we're seeing a lot in the subway business, as they are in London too, with their frozen cross passages.
2: But there's also your innovative projects, the big mine projects that you're involved with, the right. uh, and and the mine in the mining where they're freezing the ore block underground and tunneling through the frozen ground and drilling in and extracting uranium through the uh, through the tunnels.
1: Okay, thank thank you both for giving me some detail and background about the um, ground freezing itself. Let's move on to talking about the symposium. Uh, Where and when will the event be held?
2: It's going to be held at the Museum of the London Docklands and it's the 10th to the 12th of October, 2023. When Joe initiated the idea, uh, it needed a body to be able to to run it. And this is where we come back to the IOM3. The IOM3 events team were willing to do it. It's being promoted by the Mining Technology Group and the, the Ground Engineering Subgroup of the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining, ION3. But the, the main sponsor for the event is Joe's company, Keller. Uh, so a combination of those entities has, has brought the, the, the conference together.
1: Sounds, yeah, sounds like a, a fun place to have it. Uh, you've received lots of... Paper submissions. You said earlier that you've received 58. What are you most looking forward to hearing about at the event?
2: Well I've probably got more more information about it than Joe because I've been trying to put it all together. So the actual topics for the conference, the papers have come in and they're broken down actually underneath those topics. Uh, Under the artificial ground freezing we've got uh, frozen earth structures design and analysis, we've got frost action in soils, and we've got engineering design and case histories, all under artificial ground freezing. Under the site investigation, we've got papers on frozen soil testing, frozen soil stress, strain, behaviour and parameters. And that's instantaneous and long term. And frozen soil creep. We've got soil, rock, frozen and unfrozen thermal properties. We've got frost susceptibility testing and criteria and frost heat. And we've got the effects of salinity or contamination on frozen soil strength. And under the last one, sustainability in cold regions, we've got ground freezing to minimize environmental impacts and ground freezing to prever- preserve existing structures. So we've got a full range of topics covering the subject of ground freezing. And the breakdown with the breakdown by profession, we've got uh, 26 ac- uh, ac- academics, 15 consultants and 16 contractors and break down by countries. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We've got uh, uh, submissions from nine countries all over the world. Big uh, Japanese condition uh, con- uh, uh, submission and also a large contribution from China. So uh, we, we've got a, a good range of the topics covered.
1: What are you most looking forward to hearing about?
3: Well, I will say that as a uh, you know an engineer, but predominantly a contractor, I'm very intrigued with uh, honestly some of the uh, the European tunneling that they've done. Uh, they do a lot of little horizontal things, cross passages. I've looked at some of the the presentations, so I'm always interested in maybe more of the mechanical side, like what kind of equipment are they using, uh, instrumentation. I, I've noticed there's a lot of different approaches to that, so. Um, because we haven't had a forum to talk amongst ourselves as practitioners we kind of all do things a little bit our own way so i'm really more i'm very excited to see how other people approach things and i hope through my keynote paper uh i can you know strike a chord with uh, even though we do things a lot differently we, we all have the same uh the same headaches or or turning stomachs when we go out and see a job there's a common uh religion so to speak among ground trees even though we all do jobs differently The old guy, Bert Braun, once told me, uh, you know, this was like when I was very young in the 80s, he says, you'll learn something new on every ground-freezing job, and uh, it's interesting because I tried to always, like, document, okay, what what went wrong on this job, what can we do differently, what should we do if it happens again, and and I continuously add to that list because there's there's always something that uh, the unexpected...
2: Yeah. and it's not necessarily the ground freezer's uh, fault, if the ground conditions aren't, aren't what uh, the site investigation people have told you they
3: should be. Or, or it could be even something as simple as a, uh, a piece of equipment running over your hoses and the brines all over the place. So it's challenging. Uh,
2: well, my, my, I'm, a, I'm a shaft liner designer, basically, uh, so it's the shaft engineering side that uh, I'm interested in. But there are several papers... In this conference, that our when I when I left cementation in, in 1990, we set up our own consultancy company, uh, and there are several papers on jobs we've worked on. Um, Newman's Geotech, Greg Newman has got two or three papers in on the one on the Johnson project, which I mentioned, the ground freeze. Uh, he did the ground the ground freezing. We were the shaft mining designers on that project. There's uh, the uh, MacArthur River, the Ukrainian uranium mines he did the ground freezing work on that and we did the tunneling on that. So it's it's several papers and and from past history, I mean the, the, the Lacey's paper on the, uh, the underground structures, Joe, that you've been working on, uh, I'm very interested in, in, in those papers. So it's, there's a lot of good papers that I'm interested in. Um, I've actually involved with four papers. Um, a site investigation for shafts which Joe's a a co-author that's taken some putting together Uh, another guy Sima Kashimi from Iran is also co-author on that Um, I've got a fairly general one and I've got um, a question that was was raised in the the Institute of the the Midlands Institute of Mining Engineers. the question was raised a year and a half ago at their safety seminar what about grouting and it's taking me to now to put a paper together to try and answer that question about artificial freezing versus versus grouting so uh, uh, my involvement has been fairly heavy in this one uh, and I must admit it's taken two years of hard work preparation to get it to this stage we're looking to try and submit the document to for printing by the beginning of September at the moment it's on course to uh, so if we can get that done, I've then just got uh, my PowerPoint presentations to put together. But it's looking yes. good.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a wide variety of interesting topics will be presented. Uh, who would you like to see attend in particular, and what would they gain from attending?
2: Well, the people, the, the, the big address, are Japanese. They had a, a big contingent in, uh, when we ran the conference in uh, nottingham in 1988 and there's a guy there that's uh, going to be again here at this conference so it would be good to uh, meet up with him again uh, joe has a relationship with a professor in in china again that would be good and um, so yes there's some, some good contacts i mean it, it's consultants it's academics it's uh, contractors all getting together to do the networking and interrelate and exchange ideas and and, uh, get together to try and benefit the the, the subject the biggest problem I see is where do we go next so uh, it's been 16 years since the last one Um, I don't think I'll be there the next one I'm suggesting a, a maximum of five years but it would depend on the people that attend the conference, whether somebody's prepared to take that on.
3: Uh, you know, I, I like the diversity of the group, but I, I think at the last, at the conference that was held in 2000 um, in Brussels, uh, the guy that actually owned the Geofreeze company, and, and he, he was a very uh, entrepreneurial type guy, John Schuster. What well, he mentioned at that conference in 2000, that what was really missing Were a lot of the were young people, and um, you know that that's the one thing that I'm, you know, regard. Obviously, the diversity of all the countries is good, but I'm kind of looking forward, and I know that Keller's bringing some, and some of the other companies of bringing younger people that will be the next generation uh, of ground freezing, and I think we're seeing, um, you know, if you look at some of the papers, we're seeing more women involved too that we hadn't seen in the past. Alan, I don't know if this might be off the record or not, but um, obviously I've learned a lot from Alan uh, on how to put a conference together. Uh, One, that it's a lot more work than I thought that that it would be that that he's taken on. But I think we might there might be people here that would make a push for maybe in the next three to five years having it in New York. I think that that would be a good idea. Um, I think we're going to get a big push that the Chinese are going to want to do it. But we may push for New York. And then uh, we've already, some of our people involved in other organizations that, that might help sponsor it. So uh, I hadn't really thought about that yet. but, but you, It's you always nice then, to know that you're closing one out with the idea of where the next one will be. You mentioned the
2: young member, uh, the Middle Institute of Mining Engineers. They're, they're acting as a sponsor. They've got two delegates coming. They're pushing for it to be younger members, to try and encourage younger members to attend. To get them involved
1: yes yeah, so, uh, hopefully you'll have people there that you can pass the torch on to for the next conference after all of your hard work
2: and we might mention that uh, we, we've got sponsorship bags as well from keller that's that, that right joe so we should have the talk so so we should have a good delegate package we should have the volume we should have the additional uh, thin volume of, of uh, technical memoranda that the british Countries in society provided uh, presumably the, the delegate list. Oh, what we haven't mentioned is that the on the first night there'll be a drinks reception at the end, and then on the second night it will be a, a dinner, oh, well, a, a meal on the Thames Riverboat. It's going to be the Elizabethan, which is a replica Mississippi paddle steamer, and we're, we're, we're hoping to have a New Orleans jazz band on on board as well as for the entertainment. So, I've been to one or two uh, trips on the on the Thames on on dinners, and they've always been very good. I think Joe's got some guys wanting to know whether it's going to be as good as a clam bake that they used to. Hopefully, it'll be, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it
3: will be better. <laughs> That's where we were yesterday. Dinner, old clam bake.
1: Okay. Well, thank you both for your time today. I'm sure the symposium will be a fantastic and informative event. It sounds great. Thanks,
2: Helen. Thank
3: you.
0: And Catherine. Yeah. For more information about us, visit IOM3.org. Or to keep up to date with our latest news, follow us on social media using IOM3 on Twitter and at the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining on LinkedIn. If you're interested in our upcoming podcasts or want to get involved, please subscribe to hear more from us through Apple, Google Podcasts or Spotify.